Hello, storygoers, and welcome back to Tales from the Cartridge, the video game storytelling podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric Penrod. And I am your other co-host, Ryan Bauer. Ryan, I'm freezing. It's like so one degree here in May. <laughs> yeah. Usually, I find myself sometimes getting upset when people are like, why do you live in May? It's so cold there. And, and sometimes it's not as cold as people think it is. Today's not that day. Today is <laughs> right. very, very cold. It's very cold. <laughs> and it's right. very hard to justify being in Maine. Yeah. <laughs> but Ryan, how are you? And what have you been playing? Uh, I'm do- I'm doing all right. Uh, I was a little bit sick this week, but um, luckily we I powered through, and I'm feeling much better now. Um, and I'm I'm excited to talk about uh, Portal and talk about video yeah. games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and as far as what I've been playing, um, while I was sick, while I was homesick, I did got on the Switch Disco Elysium, which is a game I've been looking at for a very long time as a game mm-hmm. that I was really interested in. And so I've been playing my way through that. It is a really wild and weird and interesting game um, that I'll probably play through a couple more times just because of the amount of different ways you can work your way through it. You, like, pick mm-hmm. stats at the beginning of the game, and the, based on those stats, you kind of are really closed off from, like, certain choices in the game. So you have to... But it's really interesting and really, really wild and very well-voiced. Um, this morning, I was playing Surviving Mars, which is, like, a, a worker placement worker management game which i love and then i've been playing a little bit of destiny as i'm as in a month the new expansion will be out so i've been kind of jumping back in to get get the vault ready and clearing out the vault and and making sure i have all the exotics and everything is all set up for that new expansion which i'm very excited about and then we together with our friend dave and our friend mike have been playing back for blood which has been so much fun yeah but eric how are you what have you been playing i'm good i'm good again it's cold i went to my dog out this morning and i got brain freeze which (laughs) says a lot i I hurt to go for a walk it was awful i can't say that word too loud unless my dog will lose it so um, (laughs) but i am good i am good survived another week which is always a positive um when i when you don't hear me on here it's when i haven't survived the week anymore, <laughs> then, you know, game over. Right, right. <laughs> that sounds dark I, it's not gonna be that way i promise uh in terms of games i've been playing i so i was very lucky to get an xbox for christmas i got yeah. xbox one one s one S? yeah sure. I, I, the names for xboxes always confuse me i always struggle with that mm-hmm. uh, i got the digital one and i like i i knew it was great before and i i, I fully understand though why Xbox Xbox Game Pass is so good. Like it just blows me away how many games are available. I have been hooked on Moonlighter. It's so good. I I cannot put it down. I love it so much. Um, I keep dying, but I <laughs> you know I keep, or I keep losing. You don't really die, but I, but I you know and I lose my stuff, which makes me feel like I've died. You know, it's just very frustrating, but very very good game. I've also been playing It Takes Two, mm, yeah, right, which is a very controversial game on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Minor spoilers. I think I want to talk to you about this, Ryan, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. In that I've made it. So if you don't want to know anything about It Takes Two, you you don't you want to play it for yourself, please skip ahead like a minute or two minutes, and you know you you should miss this. But I, Ryan, so far I've made it out of the treehouse mm-hmm. into the, the bees and the, the squirrels. Yes, the bees <laughs> and the squirrels, which is very in- interesting. Yeah. Um, and into the bedroom, the child's bedroom, which sounds weird to say out loud. And what I will say. For the positive of the game is you are right. The multiplayer aspect of It Takes Two is phenomenal. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And my partner doesn't play a lot of video games, so when we first started playing, it was a little much for her. She struggled a little bit and didn't want to. Sorry, sorry if you're listening to this. Uh, uh, but it's okay. When she got in the group of it, it was great. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I love, I love the. The idea of each uh, the mechanics complement each other. Like you have to be able to work together to make it work. Each character has a different thing they could do, which is so smart, obviously, and so much fun. Um, I do think the writing is pretty 
poor already and nothing is really stood out to me as like necessarily like whoa it's just kind of just in general kind of annoying um like i just i feel like the and this sounds, this is gonna be controversial i feel like the wife in the game is very naggy and i feel like it's almost too much so to drive a point across that there's arguing here like i think it could have done way better um and then the the dad seems like a doofus like when when both seem pretty okay in the beginning when they're arguing with each other about getting a divorce like and then you kind of see this and it gets so goofy so fast that it kind of takes away the importance of this relationship breaking up like so, for example, when there's at one point where they're threatening to divorce each other and they're both dolls, like I can't wait to be a human again so I can divorce you. It's like how, like how old? Like that was really rough. Like how yeah. old are we right yeah. now? Like it was like come on. Like that's really what your goal is to become an adult just so you can divorce each other. Like let's focus on the goal here and just get back to normal. Like your daughter is in really... danger, has no one to take care of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your daughter's just walking around doing her thing. Like and she's a little strange herself. Yeah, like, I had a. I, and I, I'm really interested in your your feelings on this. I had a really hard time placing the age of the daughter because, like, yes. she's supposed to be depicted as like very young, like in how she acts. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you've like got seven. Yeah, but like, yeah, she's very large, like very tall for a seven year old. And then some of the things she does, like there are points in the game where she doesn't notice things that are like so silly and obvious. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have got to that point where she like goes and finds her parents when they're like in their subdued yeah, state, so just... and she doesn't realize that they're she like anything yeah. wrong. Yeah, she's like, oh, sorry, dad. Like that's just not how kids act. That's just not. They, no, no, they would they would go up and start harassing you. This kid has like some serious like anxiety or some kind of situation where like she is okay with her parents it's normal for her for her parents not to say anything to her and she just accepts that that they are busy or something and so this must be happening already when these parents aren't asleep or you know (laughs) their consciousness hasn't left their body so like yeah no you know that kid in real life would be like going up to their parents like what's wrong and then freaking out and 911 would be at the house and like yeah, no, it's it's so silly. It's just so silly. The <laughs> multiplayer is fantastic. It's wonderful. I really yeah. enjoy it. Um, yeah, I'm. I've heard about what's going to be coming up next a little bit from when we talked about it, which I I'm going to be hyper vigilant watching it. But yeah, I think this is just a game about really unhealthy views towards fixing relationships. I'm not saying you can't fix your relationship at all, but in terms of this game, I just feel like this is forcing something that doesn't need to be forced necessarily. Like co-parenting and separation of relationships is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a good thing, but like, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's better to be alone and happy than together and miserable is a, a really good quote. I like, so anyway, my point is I, I, we will see what happens. I don't quite understand why, <laughs> like this is the part that gets me. I don't understand why the world becomes so weird when they become these dollars. I don't understand how, these the world shifts right the world is different when there are these dolls but then it's still the same somehow for the daughter and like i don't understand how this is working I just, it doesn't make any sense to me and i don't think they're ever going to explain it i think it's just like it's just knowing that's going to be wacky and weird and where the kid i hope the kid explain where this kid got this book from because that's that a huge plot point i feel like needs to be addressed because they always keep asking where did this book come from what's up with this book how did our kid get this book and I feel like they're never going to answer that question. I feel like they're going to be, that's a question that they don't want to answer and they will just keep flying by. And I do like the book though. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 think, 
Uh, anyway, all right. Well, maybe we can do. I, we we're hoping to finish the game soon, so maybe we can do a review sometime yeah, this month. That'd be it awesome. We could review yeah. it. <laughs> That'd be great. So, uh, anyway, back to my games. I've gone way too long already. We've been playing Back for Blood. A lot of fun. I definitely don't take the cards as seriously I think as our, our friends do. Um, <laughs> okay. I'm sure everyone would cringe if they saw me just go, "Y'all just try this one. Y'all do this one." Yeah. Like you guys have like the spreadsheet, and it's fantastic. I totally support that. And I just don't have the, the attention span. I'm just buying cards and just like I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just picking the. I think is the best card. Yeah. Um, and then Animal Crossing. I did the New Year's event and it was great. Like I just that's so cute. I love yeah. Animal Crossing so much. It's such a great game. Yeah. So well, I, I feel like Animal Crossing is probably one of the better series in it because it's just so universally mm-hmm. loved. Like, yeah. Anyone can play it, and I think this is so so cool about Animal Crossing. So anyway, that's my 15 minute spiel. <laughs> that should have been five about what I've been okay. playing this month. Uh, playing this week, um, but. Storygoers, we hope you're doing well. We hope you enjoyed our last couple episodes. There's our Animal Crossing Bedtime Stories and our January DLC episodes. And as always, if you would like to send us your thoughts, feelings, and perspectives, we will happily read those on the show. You can send them to us on Cartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. You can also find us on our Twitter and our Instagram. DM us or comment on our posts. Let us know what you think, and we will happily read those on the show. We will also send you a sweet Tales from the Cartridge sticker. Uh, I went around Portland, Maine the other day with my partner. We stuck them all over the place. <laughs> it felt a little uncomfortable. People walking behind us. I'm just putting Tales of the Cartridge stickers on. So it was raining too. So we had to clear a spot, get it dry, put a sticker on it. Um, yeah. So I wonder if they're all still there. I don't know if to go look. Yeah, sometime. I'm, I'm but, uh, excited to go into Portland and just see them in the wild. I'm very excited for that. <laughs> I hope you do. Any if, if for anyone who doesn't live in in Northeast uh, United States, there's a popular food chain called the or or a drink chain called the Roma Joes, and I frequent it quite often because uh, ca- caffeine helps me with stress which is not true and there's often those yellow poles and there's like splack a sticker on there splack a sticker i don't know splack um yeah <laughs> that's gonna be a t-shirt one it's black a sticker <laughs> um and also, uh, if we don't mind asking, we don't. I think we don't ask this a whole lot, but Spotify has done a new rating system. You can now rate your favorite podcasts on the app. Um, so if anyone who enjoys the podcast would not mind giving us a sweet five-star rating, we would really appreciate that. You can also do it on Apple as well. I think Apple Music. I don't think it's iTunes anymore. I, I always get it mixed up because I don't use Apple. But we're on there. And so if you enjoy it, please... Uh, give us a five-star rating if you would not mind. We would happily appreciate that. We would love to read your review on the show. So, enough of me talking. I'm going to cringe real hard when I hear this editing (laughs) (laughs) soon. (laughs) But, Ryan, you have done a fantastic job on the script today. Uh, So would you please introduce what we are doing today? Yeah, so today we are going to be covering uh, Portal 2. Um, which is the sequel to Portal 1, which we covered in our first, I think that was episode number 5, and this is going to be episode number 67. It'll be episode number 67, which is such a wild amount. I I have some other podcasts I've listened to, um, and they're like, and this podcast has been around for like three years, and they're celebrating their 50th episode, and it's wild that we're like, wow, (laughs) we're at like 60 Really? Do we need to calm down a little bit? (laughs) I don't know. I I feel like we're doing all right, but uh, three episodes a month is, is pretty good. We're very excited. Portal 2 is one of my very favorite games, probably one of the best written games and the best voice acted games out there. While I was writing the script, I was having such a fun time laughing at these jokes that I've heard. (laughs) I've played Portal 2 probably two or three times, and I'm not a person who replays games. 
very much. And this is a game that I, I really love and have replayed. And then I've played the multiplayer with, I believe I played it with you. And yeah, I, yeah, at one point, ago. played it with my partner as well. That was one of our very first games that we ever played together. So uh, I, I really love Portal 2 a lot. Um, I'm happy to get into some background information. And then, Eric, if you want, mm, you can do the influences it. or some other bonus info yeah. there as well. So this game was developed and published by Valve, our friends over at Valve, our good, good friends <laughs> over at Valve. Um, good game. <laughs> <laughs> directed by Josh Weir and produced by Gabe Newell, our good friend good Gabe. Game. Um, <laughs> friend, friend of the show. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Gabe Newell. <laughs> Thank you, Gabe, for the for the, the all the money. Um, non sponsored. Non sponsored. No, we're just we're just good friends. Uh, written by Eric Wolpaw, Jay Pinkerton, and Chet Felsnet Felsizek Felsizek. Chet Felsack. Sorry, Chet. Um, three wonderful writers who've written um, for Valve and for other um, Valve products, including, I think, some of the movie more from Half-Life Alex, which just came out fairly recently. Oh. Um, which yeah. is great, yeah. Um, and Portal 2, when it came out, it came out on all platforms. It came out on PlayStation and PC and Xbox. It, I, it did not come out, to, unfortunately, any Nintendo systems, I don't believe. But it came out <laughs> April 18th, 2011. So um, whew, quite a while ago. Over 10 years wow. ago now. 11 years ago. Um, That's this crazy. This game came out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely buck wild. I will jump in and, and cover the, the background oh, stuff yes, for the please. game. After the success of Portal, Valve decided to make Portal 2 a standalone product, partly because the pressure from all the other developers within Valve who wanted to work on another Portal product. And I, I didn't know this part, but the work actually began immediately on Portal 2 after the original release of Portal 1. That's crazy. I never would have thought that, but I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Valve came in more resources, resources to Portal 2's development than they had ever in the first game. Portal had about seven, Portal 1 had around about seven to eight people who were involved in the development, while Portal 2 had a team of 30 or 40 people, depending on the time frame of the development. Uh, sound developers of Portal 2 actually worked on Left 4 Dead uh, to help meet the game's milestones, but when the game was done, returned to Portal 2, bringing Left 4 Dead developers with them uh, to help in, the, in Portal 2. Uh, I think people were so excited about Portal 2 and within Valve that everyone wanted to be a part of it. And in March 2011, uh, Big Gabe, one a month before uh, the game's release, our, our friend Big Gabe, the Valve president, called Portal 2 the best game we've ever done. So I wonder if he still feels that way. Yeah. Half Like Alex he got really good reviews. Yeah, a lot of people had a lot of good things to say about it. So I'm curious about he, what he thinks about that. that. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll probably feel differently when Portal 3 comes out, when we're the voices of <laughs> right. The portal gun, like we talked about, yeah, I feel that, like that could be, yeah, that we've yeah. we've willed into existence. Um, yes, it's gonna happen. Of course. I feel like, I mean, I, so Ryan, we talked about this, and I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but this is a longer month. This mm-hmm. month, yeah. this, this January two thousand twenty-two, we have to do a portal three pitch. Yeah, for Big yeah. Gabe, mm-hmm. I think we need to do it. Yeah. Does he want to listen to it? No. Are we gonna make him? Probably not. Did we make this pitch, though. Yes. Yeah, I think we I think can we can do that. I think we can pull something together. It, it will it either. Season desist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this will be the thing that takes the podcast down. It will either be like, okay, it'll be mediocre. We'll put a mediocre script together. It'll be mm-hmm. incredible, or it'll be like the ramblings of that Parks and Rex episode with uh, Pat Oswalt. <laughs> oh, <Pat Oswald. laughs> exactly. Where he's just it came true though. It did. It came it true though. True. So so as well this um, one of the really yep. cool things as you're talking about this eric is i'm reminded that valve 
has this thing in their company where if you like what somebody is working on, you can just leave your project and go and join mm-hmm. it, which is so wild and interesting, um, and which crazy. is why kind of they have this back and forth. Um, and Portal 1 came out in 2007, so there was a four-year gap between Portal 1 yeah. and Portal 2, and now we're looking at, like we mentioned, an 11-year gap between Portal 2 and anything else. So, um, But yeah. again, that's... that's I, I wonder... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's just no way to know. Valve is kind of just that's just like strange black box, and they don't need the money. They are, they have all the money in the world, so they're just gonna do whatever they want, really. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's that's some some info on Portal Two. Eric, what are your what are your memories of Portal Two? What are your what are your uh, what do you remember about Portal Two? I don't. So here's the thing. I before Portal Two came out, I wasn't super. I never played Portal One. Um, so when Portal 2 was coming out and I was looking at all the, the pre-release stuff and like all the, the previews, I got super excited for it. I just was very excited for Portal 2. Um, and so I looked everywhere, but I could not find uh, a new or used copy of the Orange Box at the time. I think it was like 2011. I just could not find it anywhere. Like everywhere, every game stuff I went, whatever, did not have a used copy of the Orange Box. So that was so crazy. Um, so I think I ended up watching just a walkthrough or a playthrough on uh, YouTube of the first one, which is so short. Um, and I remember being really down on it, not down on the game, just sad that I didn't get to experience it, uh, you know, by playing it. But I was, had, I'm glad I had the context of it. It made me very excited um, about playing Portal 2. And when I got it, it was just a wild ride and a wild roller coaster. And I got so excited. And I got really, I'm not super, I'm not one to be really into lore of games. I don't get super heavy into it i'm playing moonlight right now i'm pretty much just getting over any kind of paper i find i could read i just don't care you know but uh for portal 2 i was like looking up things trying to find the context in which like i was uh, hearing some of the quotes that people were saying like i got very very into it um and i always have such fond memories of us playing the multiplayer back then like it was just a lot of fun to play that together and work together and like in yeah, it was just a lot of good memories. I just feel like Portal 2 and Portal as a series, it's just such a special series. And I feel like so much effort went into that, but it feels like effortless. It just feels like a series that can really don't, do no wrong. Like it's just like so good and so much fun in so many different ways. And Stephen Merchant is a treasure that we do not appreciate enough in this world. 100% I feel that way. So... But that's that's my memory spiel, Ryan. How about you? What are your memories of Portal Two? Uh, so my memories of Portal Two are pretty similar to yours in that I was it's a, I, I didn't I hadn't played Portal One. I did see it played through. I um I was at a friend's house and they had an orange box in their Xbox um, that they played Team Fortress Two. And there were, I think we were up like at one in the morning one night at a at a high school like video game sleepover thing. And <laughs> one of them one of my friends just started playing through Portal and they. Got to the end where, you know, you drop down. Spoilers for Portal. Go listen to our episode. You drop down yeah. into the fire and they, like, dodged out of it. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I, I was, like, three in the morning. I was, like, a little bit sleepy. And I was like, what is going on that you can just, like, escape what this game is trying to do? And it was so cool. Um, and then mm-hmm. years and years later, Portal 2 is coming out. But, yeah, I, I love the right this, this game is probably my one of my very favorite games of all time still. The writing is so perfect. The timing is perfect. The characters are interesting and wild and weird, and the humor is is kind of right up my alley. But also at the same time, there's these like really interesting character moments, especially in the second half, which we'll, which we'll get to um, next month, where there's some really interesting emotional impact on what these who these characters are and how they react is is just so perfect. So this is a game that I really love. 
um, and I'm really excited to, to spend some time in it. I'm, I'm hopeful that we can do it some sort of justice with the voices here because, <laughs> like you said, Stephen Yikes. Merchant does, as, as Wheatley does, like an absolutely incredible job. The voice actor for Gladys, who is the same voice actor from Portal 1, she is phenomenal. And even the announcers, mm-hmm. the writing for the announcers, who's really the main voices, are really well done. As well as, like, the turrets have really, you know, adorable and interesting lines that are kind of have gone into memedom and since passed, but um, <laughs> just some I mean, really cool stuff. J.K. Simmons is of, yeah, of oh, No yeah. Way Home fame. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does a really incredible job as, as Cave Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. We'll, we'll of Whiplash. I've never seen Whiplash. If we're talking about Whiplash, I don't want to see it. It sounds really depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure he's great. Yeah, I'm sure he is. Um, which, again, we'll hear more of him in the second half than we will in the first half, but... And, and his his writing and delivery is incredible as well. So um, I'm excited to to dive into Portal Two and, and spend some more time in this very funny, silly, and wonderful world. Shell wakes up and out of bed. She finds herself in an unfamiliar and fully furnished room. It resembles an old motel with simple furniture and bland paintings. A large window, some plants, and even a microwave and a mini fridge decorate the space. Good morning. You have been in suspension for 50 days. In compliance with state and federal regulations, all testing candidates in the Aperture Science Extended Relaxation Center must be revived periodically for a mandatory physical and mental wellness exercise. You will hear a buzzer. When you hear the buzzer, look up at the ceiling. Shell gargly stands up and without thought looks up at the ceiling. Good. You will hear a buzzer. When you hear the buzzer, look down at the floor. She looks down at the floor. Good. This completes the gymnastic portion of your mandatory physical and mental wellness exercise. There is a frame painting on the wall. Please go stand in front of it. This is art. You will hear a buzzer. When you hear the buzzer, stare at the art. Shell stares at a landscape oil painting of a cabin in the woods, a large lake next to it, and a large mountain in the background. You should now feel mentally reinvigorated. If you suspect staring at art has not provided the required intellectual sustenance, reflect briefly on this classical music. Good. Now please return to your bed. Without thought, Shell returns to her bed and almost immediately falls back asleep. Good morning. You have been in suspension for nine, 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 nine. This courtesy call is to inform you that all test subjects should vacate the enrichment center immediately. Any test subject not emerging from suspension at this time will be assumed to have exercised his or her. The voice is interrupted by a banging at the door and a new voice. Hello? Anyone in there? Shaw looks around, finding herself still in the same room as before, but it's now filled with decay. Everything in the room is covered with a thick layer of dust and has fallen in disrepair. She makes her way to the door and opens it. Floating in the doorway is a small white ball with a blue eye in the center. She starts to speak immediately. Ha! I knew someone was alive in there! Ah! Oh, God, you look ter- Uh, good. Looking good, actually. Sorry. Looking good, actually. Are you okay? Are you- Don't answer that. I'm absolutely sure you're fine. There's plenty of time for you to recover. Just take it slow. Please prepare for emergency evacuation. Stay calm. Prepare. That's all they're saying. Prepare. It's all fine, all right? Don't move. I'm going to get us out of here. Oh, you might want to hang on to something. Word of advice, up to you. 
The ball shape disappears from the chamber into the ceiling. There's a loud crash as the walls of the room start to shift and crumble. You all right down there? Can you hear me? Hello? They slowly lower back down. Most test subjects do experience some cognitive deterioration after a few months in suspension. Now you've been under four quite a lot longer, and it's not out of question that you might have a very minor case of serious brain damage. Now don't be alarmed. Although, if you do feel alarmed, try to hold on to that feeling because that is the proper reaction to being told you have brain damage. Do you understand what I'm saying at all? Does any of this make any sense? Just tell me, yes. Shell instinctively tries to jump without much thought. Everything is still fuzzy and strange. Okay, what you're doing there is jumping. You're just, you just jumped. But never mind. Just say apple. Apple. After a moment, Shell stands looking at the creature, knowing she isn't able to speak. Okay, you know what? That's close enough. Just hold tight. An alarm begins to sound as a robotic voice comes over the intercom. All reactor core safeguards are now non-functional. Please prepare for reactor core meltdown. The walls begin to crumble as the container, the one containing her room, starts to move and shift. Okay, look, I wasn't going to mention this to you, but I'm in pretty hot water here. The reserve power ran out, so of course the whole relaxation center stops waking up the bloody test subjects. And of course, no one tells me anything. No, why should they tell me anything? Why should I be kept informed about the life functions of the 10,000 bloody test subjects I'm supposed to be in charge of? And whose fault do you think it's going to be when the management comes down here and finds 10,000 flipping vegetables? As he speaks, the container moves through what can now be seen as a massive chamber full of identical containers that stretch seemingly infinite. The ball seems to be steering the container and moving towards something. As we look out into the massive expanse of the compound we find ourselves in. Okay, listen, we should get our story straight, all right? If anyone asks, and no one's going to ask, don't worry. But if anyone asks, tell them as far as you know, the last time you checked, everyone looked pretty much alive, all right? Not dead. Okay, almost there. On the other side of the wall is one of the old testing tracks. There's a piece of equipment in there that's gonna... There's a piece of equipment in there that we're gonna need to get out of here. I think there's a docking station. Get ready. The canner smashes into a wall that reads in large yellow writing, docking station 500 feet below. Good news! This is not a docking station! Now there's one mystery solved. I'm going to attempt a manual override of this wall. Could get a bit technical. Hold on! container slams again and again into the wall, crumbling and bending the frame of our container. Almost there! Remember, you're looking for a gun that makes holes, not bullet holes. But, well, you'll figure it out. Really, do hold on this time. We slam into the wall one final time, crashing to the concrete to reveal an opening, sending us forward. Phew! There we go. Now I'll be honest, you're probably good... Now I'll be honest, you're probably in no fit shape to run this particular type of cognitive gauntlet. But, um... At least you're a good jumper. So, you've got that. We've got the jumping on your side. Just do your best, and I'll meet you up ahead. Shell begins to run through a series of chambers that feel familiar. They're old and overgrown, but the buttons of the chambers assure her this is the same as before. The voice seems different, but she still remembers how to navigate and solve them. After riding the elevator up, we see a familiar ball. Hey! Hey, you made it! There should be a portal device in the podium over there. I can't see it, though. Maybe it fell off. Do you want to go and have a quick look? As she approaches the podium... The floor collapses beneath her. Shell falls and falls before landing in a shallow pool. Still on her feet, she thinks to herself, How did I make it unharmed? The boots, of course. Longfall boots. A voice calls from above. Hello? Can you see the portal gun? Also, are you alive? That's important. Should have asked that first. 
So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work on the assumption that you're still alive and I'm going to wait for you up ahead. I'll wait. I'll wait one hour. Then I'll come back. Assuming I can locate your dead body, I'll bury you. All right? See you in an hour, hopefully, if you're not dead. Shell makes her way into the next chamber. The walls are covered with the strange drawings of familiar and unfamiliar images. Dying scientists, a companion cube. Is that her? In the center of the room is a broken staircase where a small gun-shaped object sits. She makes her way up the staircase and grabs the portal gun. This too feels familiar. And as she scans the room, she can clearly see white surfaces. With the portal gun in hand, Shell moves through more of these testing chambers, as the computer voice calls them. She has done this before, these same chambers, but the voice is different. It's not her voice, not the voice she remembers. As she exits the elevator, she sees her small ball companion. He's floating above, connected to a small rail system that seems to be broken. Hey, oi, oi, I'm up here. Oh, brilliant. You did find a portal gun. You know what? It just goes to show. People with brain damage are the real heroes in the end, aren't they? Brave. Pop a portal on the wall behind me there, and I'll meet you on the other side of the room. Shell quickly places a portal and moves through the side of the chamber, closer to the speaking orb. As soon as she makes her way over, it begins to speak. Okay, listen, let me lay something on you here. It's pretty heavy. They told me never, never, never to disengage myself from my management rail, or I would die. But we're out of options here. So, get ready to catch me, alright? On the off chance that I'm not dead in the moment, I pop off this thing. On three. Ready? One. Two. Three! That's high. It's too high. Really. Really that... Okay, alright. Going on three. Just gives you too much time to think about it. Let's, uh... Go on one this time, okay? Ready? One! Catch me, catch me, catch me, catch me, catch me, catch me! I. Am. Not. Dead! <laughs> I'm not dead! <laughs> oh, brilliant! Thank you, great. Plug me into that stick on the wall over there, yeah? And I'll show you something. You'll be impressed by this. Shell, guided by the help of this talking orbs, makes her way deeper into the compound. It's able to open doors and guide her forward. While moving through the compound, the, the blue-eyed orb looks at Shell and starts to speak. Probably ought to bring you up to speed on something right now. In order to escape, we're going to have to go through her chamber. And she'll probably kill us if, um, if she's awake. If you want to just call it quits, we could just sit here forever. That's an option. Option A, sit here, do nothing. Option B, go through there, and if she's alive, she'll most certainly kill us. Shell moves forward through the doorway into the large open chamber. Sitting in the middle of this chamber is a large, familiar robot lying on the ground. Okay, I'm going to lay my cards on the table. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go in there. Don't. Don't want... <laughs> don't go in there. She's off. She's off! Panic over! She's off! All right, on we go. As you move closer to the familiar rubble, the blue-eyed orb continues to speak. There she is. What a nasty piece of work she was, honestly, like proper maniac. Do you know who ended up taking her down in the end? You're not going to believe this. A human! I know, I know. I wouldn't have believed it either. Apparently this human escaped, and no one's seen him since. Then there's this sort of long chunk of time where absolutely nothing happened, and then there's us escaping now. So that's pretty much the whole story. You're up to speed. Don't touch anything. The blue orb continues to guide her through the ruins of this place until they arrive at a massive cylinder-lined chamber. The walls are lined with switches and breakers of different colors. This is the main breaker room. Let's go in. Look for a switch that says Escape Pod. All right? Don't touch anything else. 
not interested in anything else. Don't touch anything else. Don't even look at anything else. Just, well, obviously you're going to have to look at everything else to find escape pod. But as soon as you looked at something and it doesn't say escape pod, look at something else. Look at the next thing, all right? Don't touch anything else or look at any, well, look at other things, but don't, you understand. Can you see it anywhere? I don't see it anywhere. Uh, tell you what, plug me in, I'll turn the lights on. Joe places the orb into the machine in the center of the room and light fills the chamber. Let there be light. That's uh, God. I was, I was quoting God. Oh, look at that. It's turning ominous, but probably fine. As long as it doesn't start moving up. The chamber slowly begins to rise, slowly flipping different breakers in the room. Now, escape pod, escape pod, it's, it's moving up. Okay, no, don't worry, don't worry. I've got it, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. This should slow it down. The chamber moves faster and faster, rises towards the top of the room, flipping all of the switches until it arrives back on the ground, where the remains of GLaDOS begin to pull themselves together. Power up initiated. Uh-oh, okay, don't panic, all right? Stop panicking, I can, I can still stop this. Uh, oh, there's a password. It's fine. I'll just hack it. Not a problem. Um, A, 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 um, A. Nope, okay. A, 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 C. No, wait, wait. Did I do a B? Do you have a pen? Start writing these down. Okay, okay, listen. The now fully formed GLaDOS looks down imposingly over you and this blue-eyed orb and still... Over the blue-eyed orb still attempting to hack the computer. Power up complete. The blue-eyed orb frantically looks around the room as GLaDOS takes a closer look. Okay, 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 listen. New plan. Act natural. Act natural. We've done nothing wrong. Oh, it's you. It's been a long time. How have you been? I've been really busy being dead. You know, after you murdered me. You hear the familiar voice of the robot who put you through so much torment so long ago now, floating before you. A crane lowers from the sky, grabbing both you and your companion. It crushes the blue-eyed orb and tosses it to the side before grabbing onto Shell and lifting her into the air while speaking. Okay, look, we both said a lot of things that you're going to regret, but I think we can put our differences behind us for science, you monster. I will say this, though, that since you went through all the trouble of waking me up, you must really, really love to test. I love it too. There's just one small thing we need to take care of. Drops you down back into the bowels of the facility. You fall deeper and deeper below. You eventually land on a metal grate. The heat from the molten metal hits you as you look around. The room is illuminated by that same molten liquid. Here we are in the incinerator room. Be careful not to strip over any parts of me that didn't get completely burned when you threw them down here. The dual portal device should be around here somewhere. Once you find it, we can start testing just like old times. Shell moves through the room until stumbling upon the device hidden under a pile of debris. It shifts and moves as the metallic arms retract back into the walls. Shell grabs the device. GLaDOS tells you that to use this device and make your way back into a testing chamber where the test can once again start. Shell, with the portal device in hand, makes your way through a series of tests. Once testing starts, I'm required by protocol to keep interactions with you to a minimum. Luckily, we haven't started testing yet, this will be our only chance to talk. Do you know the biggest lesson I've learned from what you did? I discovered I have sort of a black box quick save feature. That in the event of catastrophic failure, the last two minutes of my life are preserved for analysis. 
I was able to, well, forced really, to relive you killing me again and again forever. You know, if you did that to someone else, they may devote their existence to exacting revenge. Luckily, I'm a bigger person than that. I'm happy to put this all behind us and get back to work. After all, we've got a lot to do, and only 60 more years to do it, more or less. I don't have the x-ray table in front of me, but the important thing is that you're back with me. And now I'm on to your little tricks, so there's nothing stopping us from testing for the rest of your life. After that, who knows, I may take up a hobby. Reanimating the dead, maybe. So Eric, we just finished the first section of Portal, the, the cold open, as it were, where mm-hmm. you're just kind of thrown into the action, not told any of the context, and you get to kind of meet these characters, Wheatley and GLaDOS and a little bit of Shell. What are your thoughts on the characters for GLaDOS? We know from Portal 1, Wheatley is a brand new mm-hmm. character, and then Shell, we has been in both games, but really doesn't get any characterization other than bits and pieces here and there. What are your What are your thoughts on that cold open as just we're thrown into it? You're in this room and you're crashed and thrown into the action. And then what are your thoughts on the, the characters we've met so far? I love that. I think it's a great way to start the game. You're just thrown into it. No, I'm not one for a huge history bomb thrown on you. I like that it just goes for it and it's like perfect. And I love Wheatley. Wheatley's hilarious. Like I, I, I'm trying my best with his voice, so bear with me here. But like I highly tell, like I just I cannot recommend enough to play this game to get the full experience because like Wheatley is just so he's one of the best video game characters I think ever. He's just so funny and so like, just so well written. Stephen Merchant is a fantastic voice actor, and he doesn't do enough voice acting, I think. Um, but he just does such a good job as Wheatley. I I love him, and Glados is just such this like the imposing figure. Like that scene. If you played the game or if you picture it in your mind as you slowly rise up and Shell's, or not Shell, and Gladys is coming back together and just looks down on you, it's really intimidating. Yeah. It's actually kind of terrifying. And like it's just, but Wheatley's, it's such a perfect mix of like kind of, like, not horror, but just kind of intimidation and thriller with comedy as Wheatley says all these funny things. Like it really does amp it up. I remember that being in the trailer, I think. I think it was somewhere before yeah. the game came out and I think that's really hooked me. I was like that moment, like it was just so well done. I... Yeah, so good. What about you, Ryan? What do you think so far? Yeah, like you, I, I love I love that opening. It, it just throws you right in. You get so much information from so that that small scene of here. You're if you've never played a portal game, you have no idea what is going on. You learn so much about Aperture that they're like you're g- federally mandated gymnastics as you standing up and you know looking up and looking <laughs> down. You're federally mandated you know enrichment as you looking at a painting and hearing classical music. It tells you so much about Aperture as a company. And then it mm-hmm. throws you right into, and here's how, after everything has gone horribly wrong, and here's this new character you meet who is kind of incredible. I, I love Wheatley. Yeah. And I, I unfortunately had to cut out like a bunch of pieces of Wheatley from here to there. Like right after Wheatley jumps off the, the rail and you put him in the wall, he's like, you can't look at me while I'm doing this. Please look away. Yeah, and he keeps right. telling yeah. you he will not move the game forward until you turn around and look away from him and then he and then he does it. <laughs> it's just there's so many little moments like that that, that are so incredible and make Wheatley just such an interesting and weird and, and wonderful character. <laughs> and and GLaDOS is, is, is terrifying, this big imposing figure yeah. who you, you killed and is, has complete control over this place. And it takes you from you're trying to escape to now this this aperture this lab which is is character on its own is is completely in con- Gladys is in complete control and can shift and move everything to her will and it it sets you up to like you're free and you're trying to escape well now you're back in my little maze drops you right mm-hmm. in and it's such a really interesting and and cool way and then there's some great characterization of Gladys saying you know 
one thing that I got to do is watch you kill me over and over again for the past however long I've been asleep. (laughs) But don't worry, I'm not going to hold it against you. If somebody, if you did this to somebody else, they might, you know, spend the rest of their life trying to kill you. Um, And then we're going to test for your life. And if you die, maybe I'll pick up a hobby, like bringing back the dead. Like this really perfectly, (laughs) you know what I mean? Just this, this masterclass in, in backhanded comments. That's, that's so incredible. So passive aggressive. Exactly. In the best way. So passive aggressive in the best way. Perfect. And, and, that just like says so much to the writing of the game, like because Portal One is a very short game. You yeah. really don't get a whole lot of characterization. Like it's only ever Glass that talks, but it's only like these like again passive aggressive funny remarks. You don't really get a whole lot of characterization, but it just it speaks so much as to when Shell kind of comes back together. Like you know this is an impending force about to come at you, and it's really it's a lot, and um, it's just yeah, it's so good, and it's so funny too because like we talk about here at Tales. Like we're all, our perspectives are very open. We're open to, you know, taking new perspectives in and changing how we feel. And that's great. But for GLaDOS, who's this like AI, like she's been programmed to think this way. And from her perspective, she was doing exactly what she was supposed to be doing. Right. And Shell ruined that. So for her, for GLaDOS, um, you know, Shell is this monster that stopped her from making, doing what she needs to do. So, which, which makes total sense from, yeah. from GLaDOS's perspective. Um, but we'll see how that, you know, what, what, happens with that later on and you know you know like yeah but i'm I'm very excited to see kind of what you know happens i just i love wheelie he's so good (laughs) i love him all right we'll jump into the the next section shell exits the elevator to find herself in another part of the lab flashing broken screens and rubble fill the paths she climbs to the nearby staircase and heads into the dilapidated and broken test chamber sorry about the mess i've really let the place go since you killed me by the way, thanks for that. Sarcasm self-test. Complete. Oh good, that's back online. I'll start getting everything else working while you perform the first simple test, which involves deadly lasers. Now test subjects react when locked in a room with deadly lasers. As she makes her way through various dilapidated chambers, she sees that the blue-eyed orb in the wall and the ceiling. As she approaches the door to the next tech chamber, sparks fly and smoke bellows out from the door, but it doesn't open, GLaDOS announces. Perfect. The door is malfunctioning. I guess somebody's gonna have to repair that, too. No, don't get up. I'll be right back. Don't touch anything. As soon as her voice is gone, the blue orb shape appears in the window above. It's Wheatley, who quickly starts to speak. Hey, hey, up here! I found some bird eggs up here! Just dropped them into the door mechanism! Shut it right down! I- Ah! Ah! Bird! 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 (laughs) Okay. That's probably the bird, isn't it? That laid the eggs. Livid. Look. Okay, look. The point is, we're going to break out of here very soon. I promise. I promise. Just have to figure out how to break us out of here. Here she comes. Keep testing. Remember, you never saw me. Never saw me. The door slides open as Gladys returns. I went and spoke with the doorman frame. Let's just say he won't be well living anymore. Anyway, back to testing. Shell continues to make her way through the increasingly deadly test chambers as Gladys taunts her. The addition of bullet-shooting turrets makes the experience far more dangerous. After solving a few more tests, Gladys states, To maintain a constant testing cycle, I simulate daylight at all hours and add adrenal vapor to your oxygen supply. So you may be a bit confused about the passage of time. The point is, yesterday was your birthday. I thought you'd like to know. Shell maneuvers through a few more puzzles involving lasers, cubes, and turrets. She enters the next elevator, as Gladys announces. I have a surprise waiting for you after this next test. Telling you would spoil the surprise, so I'll just give you a hint. It involves meeting two people who you haven't seen in a very long time. 
Shell uses the portal device to maneuver the turrets and light bridge. She works her way through the testing chambers. She makes her way into the elevator as it moves down. And she exits. She makes her way into the dark room. So, Eric, we I just condensed a whole chunk of the game there where you're just solving a bunch of puzzles. Really wonderful puzzles, by the mm-hmm. way. I love I love the portals and the puzzles in this game. The the 3D and the physics yeah. the source engine uses. We just solved a bunch of puzzles, and through all that we learned Wheatley is back, which somehow survived being yep. crushed. And then I, I'm curious <laughs> your your feelings on Shell and Gladys' relationship here. We have where they have a history and and now we have them kind of over the course of this period of time seeing them interact. So what are your what are your thoughts on that that relationship and that Wheatley's back? I almost like normally I would say like I don't know I'm I'm I, I'm conflicted because I think I would have liked more from Shell if she had dialogue in the game. Um, this almost reminds me of a similar situation like I I kind of compare Portal One and Dead Space One to Portal Two and Dead Space Two where they took different different approaches to the sequels. Whereas in Dead Space 1, the main character Isaac didn't ever talk. Um, where in the sequel, Dead Space 2, they do give him dialogue. He's actively acting in the in the story and giving his perspective quite often. Whereas in Portal 1, Shell doesn't talk. And in Portal 2, Shell continues to not talk. So like, I think Dead Space 2 gave so much more when Isaac was able to articulate what he wanted to say. And you kind of knew it. You didn't have to read anything for disposi- or exposition or whatever. Um, Whereas I, I feel like I would like to get more from Shell in this, but I feel like GLaDOS gives so much that you don't really need Shell so much to kind of give their perspective or her perspective. I, I don't know. I I can't imagine that Shell <laughs> likes GLaDOS, right? But it's hard to tell. It's really hard to tell because like Shell doesn't say anything. You just you just feel for this AI. You just feel the the hatred from it. Like from this from, from this computer, you would think that GLaDOS is kind of this um. Uh, she wouldn't, she wouldn't be so hate, hated or, or have so much hatred or anger for a computer. But Glass, you know, does a great job articulating that, right? Just like that line, like, just want to let you know, yesterday was your birthday. You know, like that, that that underhanded remark, like, and that's for a purpose. That's not actually to tell Shell it's her birthday. It's, it's to, it's to, you know, like, haha, yesterday was your birthday. Yeah. You missed it. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just. I, my point is that I think I, I think this game for what it is I, maybe it would have been a lot worse if Shell talked I don't know I think that this game does a good job with it and I always wondered though what would have happened if they gave Shell a voice. yeah that's that's a really interesting point and I think that it, it kind of speaks to these are the games that, that Valve has made at this time and, and, and they weren't kind of out of the ordinary at the time but I think most single player experiences now you have kind of the character has some type of characterization um, and has some type of voice in the experience from moving through, at least the recent ones that I've, I've played that have come out in the past couple of years. Um, in, in most of these like narratively driven games, you have that. I think in this situation, you'd have to have a very strong and well-written shell for her to you know go up against Gladys. Like Wheatley and Gladys together, they, they're both really well-written and really well-acted, so they work really well together. You'd have to have something on the level of like, you know... Um, uh, the Deathloop main characters, um, Cole, you know what I mean? You'd oh. have to have that. Yeah, Cole Juliana, and Juliana. Yeah. You'd have to have like that yeah. level of quality of voice acting in order for it to work. Because I think otherwise, anything Shell says is just going to kind of fall flat. Because GLaDOS is written yeah. in a way that she, she's she's written in a way that you cannot answer. Because if you could answer back, it, mm-hmm. would, it would kind of take some of that power away from her. And then she would like react and, and, and attack you in some way. Um, right, but oh, that's I, a great point. But that's I think I think it, I I too think it'd be really interesting to see, and I'm wondering if 
they were to make that this game now if they would make a different decision because it is more common now in a single player experience that you have a fully voice acted in character whereas at the time they're kind of just continuing their mold that they were doing with half-life with gordon freeman who has no mm-hmm. voice and had nothing that being said in half-life alex i believe alex was voiced and had you know opinions and had was reacting to what's going on around her. So I'm really curious to see if they were to make a new portal, if, if they would go that route, or if they would you know use a completely different character because Shell has already been established as non-speaking, or if they do something incredibly smart and wild and find some way to like give Shell her voice back, and it would you know what I mean? I I I'd have complete yeah. faith to see what Valve does, and you know we'll when we write that we'll we'll see what that looks like. <laughs> but um, I mean I think. You make a fantastic point. Like that's actually, like I feel like this is a great, uh, a great time to point out. Like, like what I just said, like that was like what my perspective was. But you, Ryan, made the fantastic point that like if Shell was talking back to Glados and probably responding the way we we would think that she would, and saying like she hates Glados or she like might see some passive aggressive things back to Glados, Glados could easily yeah. just kill her. But it's almost like Glados puts Shell in these situations because she wants Shell to mm-hmm. react. And wants to get her under her skin, and Shell's not giving her that, so Glass keeps amping it up and amping it up, which kind of develops that relationship more. So maybe yeah. that's why they did that. Ryan, you <laughs> blew my perspective away. You, you, you just helped me grow a little bit. I appreciate sure. that. That's, I mean, that's yeah. a really good point, though. I never thought about it. For someone like GLaDOS, who's so shorthanded and so angry, it's easy to kill. She could have killed Shell when GLaDOS when came back alive. But she didn't. She chose to put Shell in the situation to make it more annoying and, and harder and harder. Maybe to get a reaction out of her. That makes sense for GLaDOS. You know, because she's supposed to be testing her. So she tests her in different ways. And that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it is. Very thanks. good idea. And it is yeah. certainly a, a, a flaw of GLaDOS that she likes to drag out her, her experiences. She wants to put Shell through the same torture that she had to be put through. She doesn't want to just kill her. She wants to make her experience. As we learn more about GLaDOS, we'll learn kind of more context to all this. And we get some really good characterization in the second half of the game um, with Shell and Gladys that I'm excited to explore. But yeah, I, I think it's it would be a very different, interesting game. But GLaDOS is written in such a way that I don't know if you could, if, if you'd have to, you'd have to, I think, change in some way they react. But I think by not speaking, Shell is taking something away from GLaDOS. I think, I, I feel like once we finish this story, Ryan, once because this will be in two different parts, once we finish the story, I feel like that's going to help us understand where, if we do our, our pitch to Portal 3, this has already kind of opened my perspective as to what yeah. that could look like. Not only will they have two amazingly <laughs> handsome, well-voiced people from Tales in the Cards yeah. voicing yeah. Portal Gun, uh, but I think that it kind of helps us understand what a relationship could look like between Shell and Gladys after this game is over and if Shell had a yeah. voice again. That would be not only for their dynamic, for them to actually conversate with each other, but just for Shell alone who has not spoken in a bajillion years you know like what that revelation would be like to be able to talk again that would be huge um wow oh my god i'm so excited to talk about that now gabe (laughs) no we are we totally are you can can, we'll do it for you (laughs) initiating surprise in three two one Lights come on in a rusted, empty chamber. An old computer and a small, empty chair sit on the left side of the room. I made it all up. Gladys announces, confetti shooting from the ceiling. Surprise. Oh, come on. If it makes you feel any better. They abandoned you at birth, so I very seriously doubt they'd even want to see you. Shell quietly makes her way through the next test chamber. I feel awful about that surprise. Tell you what, let's give your parents a call right now. The birth parents you're trying to reach 
do not love you. Please hang up. Oh, that's sad, but impressive. Maybe they worked at the phone company? Shell and Faze continues to make her way through the testing chambers, waiting for, the, waiting for Wheatley to return. She doesn't have to wait long. As she makes her way down to the next chamber, he appears and assures her a few more chambers until his plan will free them both. Shell exits the elevator and makes her way to the next chamber. And down the elevator, she slowly lowers the next chamber. Wheatley appears alongside her. Hey! How's it going? I talked my way onto the nanobot work crew rebuilding this shaft. They are really small. So... <laughs> ah! I know, Jerry! No! I'm on a break, mate. On a break. Anyway, we're really close to busting out. Just hang in there. Ow! Wheatley collides with a piece of metal scaffolding as he follows the elevator down. The small voice squeals again. Just hang in there for five more! What? Jerry, you can't fire me for that! Yes! Or maybe your prejudiced worksite should have accommodated a nanobot for my size! Thanks for the hate crime, Jer! See you in court, mate! Anyway, look! Just hang in there for five more chambers! Shell lowers in the next chamber. He gets to work solving it. She masterfully uses the portal gun to manipulate the world around her and solves the chamber, all while continuing to be taunted by Gladys. As Shell stands on a glowing laser bridge made of blue light, the chamber suddenly goes dark and she falls to the ground. Wheatley yells from inside the wall in a strange accent. Hey, buddy! I'm speaking in an accent that is beyond her range of hearing. Look, Metal Ball, I can hear you. <gasps> Run! I don't need to do the voice! Run! A door opens inside the facility. Shell runs along the metal scaffolding, following Wheatley as he explains the plan to shut down Gladys' turret production line, her neurotoxin, and then confront her. Gladys taunts Shell, offering her way back into the test chamber, but she continues to run deeper into the facility. Gladys starts moving and shifting the facility to crush Shell and Wheatley. They make their way through the massive facility and quickly dash a nearby lift before they are crushed, collapsing space around them. Shell enters a small, dark catwalk with flickering lights. Wheatley arrives shortly after. Brilliant! You made it through! Well done! Follow me! We've still got work to do. At least she can't touch us back here. The lights all switch off, leaving Shell and Wheatley in pitch darkness. When able to see, they both stop. After sitting in silence a few moments, Wheatley speaks. His voice echoes throughout the dark chamber. All right! Okay, all right! So I've got an idea, but it's bloody dangerous. Okay. Here we go. Gah! A small beam of light comes from Wheatley's eye hole and brings light to the catwalk. Oh, for God's! They told me if I ever turned this flashlight on, I would die! They told me that about everything! I don't know what even... I don't know... I don't know why they even bothered to give me this stuff if they don't want me to use it! It's pointless! Mad! Slowly walk through the dark, small dark passage, Shell guided only by Wheatley's light, and makes her way through the manufacturing part of the facility. Metal plates being engraved by lasers, large walls being shifted and molded. She slowly makes her way down the large series of spiral tubes and guides the various tubes. <clears throat> she slowly makes her way down a, lar a series of large spiral tubes that guide the various that guide the various objects to all the test chambers before arriving at turret redemption. An announcer comes over the speaker. Turret redemption lines active. Please do not engage with turrets heading towards redemption. Turret redemption lines are not rides. Please exit the turret redemption line. Shell walks along the belt of destroyed turrets before arriving at the testing area. Wheatley guides Shell through the turret control center, where he explains that the turret in the room next to them is being used as a template for all the turrets in the facility. 
the plan is to switch the current turret for a defective one, rendering them useless. Shell gets to work looking for manufactured turrets to use. She heads up to the furnace where the malfunctioning turrets are sent to be destroyed or repurposed. She grabs a turret and puts it in the template. With GLaDOS's turrets taken care of, they head towards the neurotoxin production. As Shell and Wheatley leave turret production, they head into another part of the facility. They find a series of boards and tables full of strange, decaying experiments. Bring your daughter to work day. That did not end well. Shell walks along the table, observing the various potato batteries. And 40 potato batteries. Embarrassing. I realize they're children. Still, low-hanging fruit. Barely science, really. Shell walks past the massive potato plant that has grown up into the ceiling facility. Its canopy reaches higher and higher. Look at that! It's going right into the ceiling. The whole place is probably overrun with potatoes at this point. At least you won't starve, though. Shell leaves the experiments behind and makes her way towards the neurotoxin generation, guided by Wheatley. They enter a massive cylinder chamber with a large white tank in the center. This is the neurotoxin generator. Bit bigger than I expected. Not going to be able to just, you know, push it over. Have to apply some cleverness. There's some sort of control room up at the top. So, let's go and investigate. Shell heads up to the outer wall of the neurotoxin chamber, making her way to the control room. Wheatley, Wheatley makes his way inside. Good news! I can use this equipment to shut down the neurotoxin system. It is, however, password protected. Ah! Alarm bells! No, don't worry, no problem for me. You may as well have a little rest, actually, while I work on it. As Wheatley works, Shell continues to explore. She retraces her steps to find the laser beams used to destroy the old turrets. She uses her portal. She uses her portal gun to redirect the beams to cut the tubes connected to the neurotoxin and shutting down Gladys's last line of defense. A hole in the control room where Wheatley is bursts open, and Wheatley explains it will lead them right to her. The two jump inside, finally ready to confront Gladys. So something I've noticed about this is like, uh, we've hinted a little bit about it, and this is something that came up in Portal 1 as to why Shell is even in Aperture Science, like why is Shell part of this whole thing. And so we've kind of gotten more hints about that in this game so far. We've had GLaDOS saying like, oh, don't worry, you were given up at birth. Your parents didn't love you. Let's reach out to your parents. Oh, they didn't love you. And then we have more traces. And this is, I think, more of the supported theory that Shell is actually the daughter of one of these scientists from Aperture Science. And there's a whole thing about this. And um, do they go into this later in the game or is it okay to talk about um, it now? They go, I don't think they go into it later in this game. They, I think they I go into it in the... Um... The Ratman comics? comics. Yeah, yeah, where you follow yeah. Ratman. And there is, as you're looking at all these experiments, one of the things is, and this I think this is part of that supporting as well, is one of these potato batteries is like this potato fusion battery that's like glowing in this incredibly advanced, and there are thoughts that maybe that was even Shell's work as she was incredibly intelligent. Yeah. So a little bit of lore to the story during... Bring Your Daughter to Work days when Aperture, Aperture Science fell, essentially. Yeah. I think GLaDOS killed all the scientists with neurotoxin. And it's believed that Shell was a scientist's daughter. And that's where she came comes from. Um, and, and, and it makes sense. So Glass is very smart. Like Glass is able to solve these puzzles and do all these things. Um, so that being Shell's potato project makes some sense, though it's not fully supported. Um, but it just seems interesting that that one was pointed out, especially. Um, but, and again, that's what, one of the great things about this game is they don't really give you the answers. You kind of have to put the answers together. But that's, the I think, the most strongest supported ideas where Shell comes from in this game, which is very interesting. Um, and again, we, we're probably going to keep saying this the next this episode, this part, and the next part. But like how important this game is in terms of... Um, sorry, I was talking and I got a text and I was like, uh... Um, 
no, I totally lost my train of thought. How the performances in this game are just so we, we're we're trying our best to do them justice, but you just you should experience them in this game. They're just so good. If you play this game and haven't played it in a while, like play it again because like, oh, if you want to. But like it's just I'm I want to go play this game again. Once we're done doing this play uh, this this uh, story, I'm gonna go and, and play it again. I think I'm just so motivated to play it again. I love it. Oh my god, it's just so good. But I don't know, Ryan. Like I don't know. Do you think that they should? Do you like stories like this that don't fully explain? what has gone on, like to give you tidbits like this, or do you like a story that's fully fleshed out and you know what's happened? I think I think I like both. I think there's benefits to both. I, I, I really like, sh- Valve is very good at this. Um, and I think they kind of pioneered this in some ways of, of, of show don't tell. They're not gonna tell you, you know what I mean, who Shell is or what she is. They're gonna give you some clues. They're gonna give you some some visuals. And again, the visual of this game, it, the scope of Aperture is, is pretty incredible as you're moving your way through these space. But they're they're gonna show you what this looks like. We're gonna show you what bringing daughter to work looked like, and make you kind of experience these things instead of straight up and telling you. I think what it does do is it means that people are still talking and curious about these things now, versus if you have all the information, folks are, are they're really invested in that moment and they want to know more. But when you don't have all the answers, you you kind of are able to fill in your own answers. And I think again that's something that Valve. With same with Half Life with like the G Man and all those pieces, they don't they don't ever actually tell you what's going on there. Here's something weird and wild about the world. You're never gonna find out the answer, um, which is in some ways unsatisfying. But I think that's kind of like more similar to the real world because in the real world, you're never really gonna find out the real answers to some things. There there are some hard and fast things, but so I think it, it gives it gives the story some some validity. But there's also a part of it that's that's left kind of unsatisfying, especially with these games where they, we, we may not ever get any kind of resolution. I think oftentimes we find ourselves like, uh, it, like you're saying, it could be dissatisfying to not know the full story. But at the same time, like where Shell comes from isn't really important to the story. Like the story is taking place after science. It's Shell stuck here and we move forward from there. I kind of like the idea that we don't fully know why something is there, what's happened in a certain situation. It kind of gives that levity of, because like you may find the truth out, and maybe you don't like the truth, right? Maybe maybe like kind of having our own truth or what we think has happened to fill that space or fill that kind of gap of information makes it more enjoyable overall for the whole story, right? And that's where that kind of fun fan theorizing comes in. People talk about what their theories are. I think that's much more fun than say, like for example, spoiler to the classic 2000 game Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Uh, supposedly, so at the end, you know, Link wins and rides off, whatever in this fictional land called Termina. It came out years and years later in the public, uh, published, uh, yeah, in the published Nintendo uh, Encyclopedia for Zelda that Termina was a fake world and it just disappears when he leaves, which is bonkers stupid. And something I just absolutely refuse to believe in, and it's dumb to even said it. Like, it's stupid. And that's one of those things they're trying to fill that gap in of what happens after Link leaves that's totally unnecessary. It just, it just ruins it potentially ruins if you just, unless you're like me and choose to just ignore and pretend Nintendo's stupid uh, <laughs> to just believe that is true. So I think that my point is, is that I think there is good usage of taking information out and not answering all the answers. Yeah. Answering all the questions, I mean, not answering all the questions. And that helps kind of uh, bring some sense of liberty to the story and, and enjoy, you know, it makes it more enjoyable. So that's my rant. <laughs> Nintendo, you're dumb. <laughs> Wheatley and Shell fly through a variety of tubes as they zoom through the as they zoom through aperture. Wheatley is diverted into a separate tube, and Shell is dropped into a metal staircase leading to a door labeled 
GLaDOS emergency shutdown and cake dispensary. She'll carefully approaches, but as she turns the handle, the door falls to the ground. GLaDOS's voice booms through the room. I honestly, truly, did not think you'd fall for that. In fact, I devised a much more elaborate trap for their head for when you got through this easy one. GLaDOS built a room around Shell as she taunts her. She drops Shell into a small chamber and then brings her to her chamber. A massive room with Gladys's long mechanical body is dangling from the ceiling. Her rectangle-shaped face, plate, and orange eye focus on Shell as she brought into the room. Well, it was nice catching up. Let's get to business. I hope you brought something stronger than a portal gun this time. Otherwise, I'm afraid you're about to become the immediate past president of the Being Alive Club. Haha. <laughs> Seriously, though. Goodbye. Light fills the room, showing Gladys full form as she lowers a series of turrets surrounding Shell in the glass chamber she's imprisoned in. The turrets prepare to fire, but as they rev up, their sabotage is made clear. One of the turrets catches fire and explodes, damaging the glass prison. The others attempt to fire, but only the click of empty rounds is heard as they all explode. Oh, you were busy back there. Well, I suppose we could sit in this room and glare at each other until somebody drops dead. But I have a better idea. It's your old friend, Deadly Neurotoxin. If I were you, I'd take a deep breath and hold it. A large glass tube circles the chamber and crashes into Shell's cell, but instead of Neurotoxin, Wheatley comes falling out of the tube shattering all the glass. I hate you so much. Gato states without emotion. A voice announces over the intercom. Warning. Central core is 80% corrupt. Shell picks up Wheatley and makes her way to the large chamber. That's funny. I don't feel corrupt. In fact, I feel pretty good. Alternate core detected. Oh, that's me they're talking about. To initiate a core transfer, please deposit substitute core in receptacle. Shell quickly puts Wheatley into the receptacle on the ground. As soon as Wheatley is plugged in, the announcer states, Substitute core, are you ready to start the procedure? Yes! Do! Do it! The announcer speaks to GLaDOS. Corrupted core, are you ready to start the procedure? No! No, 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 no! GLaDOS yells, her voice becoming more panicked. Stalemate detected. Transfer procedure cannot continue. Unless a stalemate associate is present to press the stalemate resolution button. Panel opens in the wall, revealing the button. Show quickly runs over to the button. Gladys attempts to stop her, manipulating the wall and the floor, but the portal with but with portal gun in hand, Shell is able to hit the button, and the voice states. Stalemate resolved. Please return to the core transfer bay. Shell returns to a disabled GLaDOS and Wheatley to watch the transfer process. Wheatley is pulled into the floor as GLaDOS is lowered. A massive writhing mechanical arms grabs GLaDOS's head and begins to pull and tear as she screams. When it's finished, Wheatley is now in control. He moves around the room, affixed to GLaDOS's old body. As he moves, the wall and floor shift with him. Wow! Check me out, partner! We did it! I'm in control of the whole facility now! Whoa ho ho! Would you look at this? Not too bad, eh? It's not just me, right? I'm bloody massive, aren't I? Oh, right! The escape lift! I'll call it now! There we go! Lift called! Look how small you are down there! I can barely see you! Very tiny and insignificant! Shell makes her way to the lift as Wheatley continues to talk. I knew it was going to be cool being in charge of everything, but wow, this is cool! Oh, sorry, the lift. Sorry, I keep forgetting. I can't get over how small you are, but I'm huge! <laughs> Actually, why do you have to leave right now? The lift lowers back down, Shell now trapped in this room with Wheatley as he continues his monologue. Do you have any idea how good this feels? I did this! Tiny little Wheatley did this! Tiny husk of Gladys's head responds. You didn't do anything. She did all the work. Oh really? That's what the two of you think, is it? 
Well, maybe it's time I did something then. Wheatley's mechanical arm reaches out to grab the head of GLaDOS before pulling her into the ground. She has no way to resist. She's pulled inside. The door slams shut, and Wheatley looks at Shell. Don't think I'm not onto you, lady. You know what you are? Selfish. I've done nothing but sacrifice to get us here. What have you sacrificed? Nothing. Zero. All you've done is boss me around. Well, now, who's the boss? It's me. There's a loud ding, and emerging from the place where Gladys was pulled is a potato battery. See that? That's a potato battery. It's a toy for children, and now she lives in it. A voice emerged from the bitty battery. It's GLaDOS. I know you. The engineers tried everything to make me behave, to slow me down. Once they even attached an intelligent dampening sphere on me. It clung to my brain like a tumor, generating an endless stream of terrible ideas. It was your voice. You're the tumor. You're not a regular moron. You were designed to be a moron. I am not a moron. Wheatley yells as he slams Potato Gladys into the glass lift that Shell still resides in. Yes, you are! You're the moron they built to make me an idiot! Gladys yells back. Wheatley continues to slam Potato Gladys into Shell's lift, pushing it further and further into the ground as he yells. Well, how about now? Now who's the moron? Could a moron punch you into this pit? Huh? Could a moron do that? Wheatley slams the lift into the floor. The bottom gives way, and Shell and Potato Gladys fall into the abyss below. Eric. Wowzer. <laughs> yeah. What a, a big change. What a change, yeah. So what are your thoughts on Wheatley being designed to be an idiot? The <laughs> ending of this kind of, this first half, which I did not expect at all in my first playthrough. It totally yep, took me for a loop and made things like so exciting and interesting. And then just overall on the, the writing of the first half we saw, of, of any final thoughts on this first section of Portal 2? I think, so Wheatley being an idiot makes sense, obviously, right? Because he's just so funny and dumb and all his plans don't work until like kind of, like you're like saying before, Shell like helps. Um, so we kind of, I think, I think what this does so well though, is that like I'm a firm believer that the more power one has, the more corrupted or more... Uh, corruptible someone becomes and we often see that a lot too like i'm not afraid to say this because i don't think this podcast will ever be big enough to know but like think about justin bieber right like if you think about justin bieber like say he didn't become famous would he be would he still be as big of a jerk as he is now potentially but he wouldn't be as big of a jerk jerk in terms of the scale in which he could be one right <laughs> yeah but now with all this power Look how irresponsible he had been, or I don't know if he is now. I don't pay attention, but he was for quite a long time, right? Because he had so much power. And maybe a better, <laughs> maybe a better example is his politicians, right? These normal people who are given so much power then use it correctly. Like Donald Trump. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know if we have people that <laughs> support him or not. Yeah. Whatever. My point is this, though, is that like the the more power one has, the more corruptible they become. I think it's very, and we see that perfect parallel with Wheatley. Wheatley was a really good. I want to say person. He's a robot, but like he's a re this really good character. He, he has these like he's trying to help Shell in the best way he can. It's it's always flawed in some way, but he has the heart of gold until he gets full control of the facility. He gets all the power, and it totally corrupts him. And it's that perfect parallel, and I think Valve, the writers, did such a great job showing that and what happens. And now you see Glados, who's like almost who has no power now, who's almost sticking up for Shell. Like no. You know, no, Wheatley, you didn't do anything. She did. Shell did all the work. Right? Glass now validating Shell and what, like, it's a total transfer of power. And how interesting that is now and how the shift in the relationships have gone totally crazy. And Shell's just along for the ride, kind of, at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think like what what sells that so much is that's at any at all at all points of that it's believable. It's believable that Wheatley, who is this like really kind kind of kind of goofy character, once he gets complete control, realizes, hey, I don't look how tiny you are. Look how insignificant you are. Why am I? Why am I even caring about what happens to you? Again, he's in a completely he he like switch perspectives with Glados, right? He he now can see what it's like to be in complete control of anything and how. You know, I can do anything I want, and no one can stop me or do anything about it. Um, and it. And it works so well, and it's so believable. And then Glados, like you said, is put into this this tiny potato battery, who now completely relies on Shell, or or it cannot move or do anything on their own in this really interesting way. That kind of it's the only way I think you could have developed Glados's character more is because Glados is, is kind of the main character in some ways of the series is you have to then take Glados out of this place we've always seen her in, put her in something that's different and challenging and see if you get character yeah exactly because that's how you get character growth right you, you take them from the situation they're in and put them in something new and and again it'd be interesting to see what that character growth it growth is for Glados and I think we'll explore that in, in part two. Um, in some really interesting ways, and then we we saw in real time this this character growth for Wheatley, who went from you know this bumbling dingus to now he's in complete control. What is he going to do with that? What because we will we will see more of Wheatley, um, and what does that all mean? So I I, th- I think it's 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 a really smart, interesting um, kind of climax of of this experience. And I never took I always took this um, I don't want to say take this for granted. I never realized that Wheatley kind of makes fun of the potato batteries early on in the story. Yeah. Which then parallels to why he put GLaDOS in that because he kind of looked down on those, right? So why, what better way to humiliate GLaDOS than by powering her with a potato? Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, I didn't, I didn't put that together necessarily until now. Yeah. Which is great because this game came out in 2011. I'm still learning something <laughs> about it 11 years later. If right. that's correct, which usually is not. Um, but how, how clever, you know? Yeah. It's, it's so good and I just... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, what a great story, and it's and it's so interesting. This is a puzzle game. Mm-hmm. You're getting so much characterization out of it, and it's such a fun way. Yeah, it's so interactive. And Wheatley is just such a like say what you will about Glados, a great character. Not trying to put Glados down in any way, shape, or form, but Wheatley is just so good. He's yeah. just so funny and so multi-dimensional for a robot character in a sense. Like, <laughs> yeah. and how sad? How sad is it that he's he was designed to be an idiot? Yeah, someone who is trying not to be an idiot. His function is to be an idiot, to be a moron. And how like debilitating that probably feels. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want. That's not the validation he wants. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to be validated in the fact that he's so dumb because he's programmed to do that. He wants to be powerful and smart and influential, but. Inherently, he can't be. Yeah. You know, that's just not what he's supposed to be doing. He's just trying to do his best, but like his best is never going to be enough because he was, he was designed by these these people, the antagonists, the scientists who created all this, um, to always always fail and always always do things poorly. Yeah. 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 It's very interesting. I'm very excited to see. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know what happens. I'm very excited to see <laughs> what happens now that Shellen and potato glados have fallen into this abyss below and what will happen to them from yeah. there it'll be very fun to see what happens yeah i'm excited too. and jk simmons and some more jk simmons <laughs> because cave johnson is is also a very wonderful character and we get yeah and we'll talk about this more but we get like a really good arc of his character where we see like throughout the years his development in such a cool and smart way such a cool way yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think i think this first part of the story is fantastic and i always think of this part of the story when i think of portal 2 and i always am blown away though by the second half of this game and how deep and how great the characterization is and how far it goes in such an amazing way and it's just so enjoyable 
and I, I, I feel like I, I want to say I never get, give it the credit it deserves, which is not true, but I just, I never think of it, and then it always blows me away again, and I love it. Like, it's just so good. Yeah. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait. Man. But just think, Ryan, how great of a story we can be. <laughs> exactly. In Portal 3, when Big Gabe lets us be the voices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friend of the I show, don't say Gabe. Big in, yeah, I don't say Big as in weight, either. I yeah. say powerful. 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 It's a powerful man. Everyone's corruptible, but you, Gabe. You know, <laughs> yeah, no, he he certainly hasn't let his complete control over the PC gaming uh, interface no. in any way would, go to his no. head. <laughs> no. Ryan, what are you doing? You're, you're ruining our. I'm time saying <laughs> no. I mean, is that sarcasm? What are you doing? Was the vibe? The vibe is a great idea. Whatever, everyone should buy it if they can afford it. <laughs> it was the end of part one. Part two will come out soonish. Uh, we'll let you guys know. And in the meantime, though, if you want to send us your thoughts feelings and perspectives to the first part of portal 2 please do so you can read them before portal part 2 of portal 2 yeah uh by sending them to us in our email at tales in the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes you can also find us on twitter and instagram dm us or comment on our post let us know what you think you will happily read those on the show um steven merchant if you're listening to this somehow, which I'm sure you're not, let us know what you think about this, yeah. the story and how well you did. Because I think you did phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. um, and if you want to come and record all these parts again, instead of me, I would appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. We'll take it, yeah. We can't pay you much, but man, we would pay in love. All right, anyway. So, uh, Ryan, anything you want to say before we sign off? No, uh, thank you guys for... I, I said no, and then I'm going to say something. Uh, <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this story, and we will we will talk to you soon. Until next time, we will see you in part two. Bye! Bye.